This is the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z, telling it like it is. Welcome back to the Truth Hurts program. It is the 29th day of June, a Tuesday. Can't wait to get home and watch The Deadliest Catch. My guilty pleasure, my television addiction. Some people follow the Cardassians. Some people follow the NBC Nightly News. I follow crab fishermen on the Bering Sea. But who cares? We're here to talk about reparations and entitlement on this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Coming to you live from a very quiet driver's seat of a Honda Pilot sport utility vehicle. Very nice vehicle. Very fun to drive, by the way. But I digress. Abraham Lincoln was the president of the United States in the year 1863 when he signed the Emancipation Proclamation into law, essentially telling the enslaved peoples of America, including the African American 13% hyphenated minority, the Chinese indentured slaves who built the railroads, the Irish and the Italian indentured servants who worked off the debts of their ancestors on farms here in the United States. But you only ever hear about the AA 13% African American hyphenated minority when it comes to issues surrounding slavery and how they somehow feel entitled to reparations. As I mentioned, Abraham Lincoln was indeed the president of the United States in 1863, and he signed that document, essentially announcing that all slaves were freed, including black slaves owned by black farmers. Now, you've all heard me tell the history of how slavery came about prior to America being the United States of America. In fact, in the 1600s, many black men of one tribe would defeat the black men of another tribe. They would then chain up those black men of the losing tribe, rape their women and their young girls, keep the youngest children that they could drag into their own tribe, and then they would march those enslaved men and sometimes younger women, you know, breeding stock, and march them across the jungles and the deserts of Africa where those black men sold those black slaves to slave traders, who, by the way, were, not surprisingly, also black. They would get on ships, and they would come to the New World, where they were sold at black-owned slave markets in the West Indies, the Caribbean, and other popular places to buy oxes and asses, donkeys and cattle, and horses, tobacco, seeds, food supplies, and, of course slaves. It is a fact that no white men ever went trekking through the jungles of Africa to round up black people and sell them into slavery. That is reality. That is history. A history that has been erased throughout the past hundred plus years and in the folklore and lies and story time and fairy tales that your grandmammies and your grandpappies bees telling y'all some kind of way it was twisted and turned into the white man came and dragged us over here and made us work for them for free. It is not true. It never has been true. And no matter how many times you lie to yourselves, AA community, 
It is not and will not ever be the truth. Let's fast forward a hundred years from now, the year 2121. Do you think racial harmony and equity will have found its way into the hearts and minds and souls of America? I doubt it. Because you see, the reparations industry, the BLM industry, the Black Power industry, the Black Panthers industry, the NFAC industry, and all of the others, the Jesse, Jack's son, and the Al Sharp Tongue types of this world make a living and a damn good one making white people feel guilty for something that they are not guilty of. As I said, white people did not go over and drag blacks into slavery. Just as you could buy a cow, a horse, an ox, an ass, a donkey, a mule, a sheep, a goat, corn, rice, you could buy a Negro slave. They were for sale. It was legal trade. Just like wagon wheels, horses and buggies. Just like burlap, linens. You could also buy the debt of an Irishman who owed someone money and indenture him into servitude into your farm. You could do so with an Italian. You could do so with a Chinaman. Or is that Chinese person? Or should we say person of Asian descent from the continent upon which China sits. We don't want to offend anyone. Yes, slavery was legal, lawful, authorized by every government on the planet, including Africa, who allowed the slave trade to be started, perpetuated, and continuously run as a taxable enterprise it's not our fault. Abraham Lincoln, as I said in the beginning, had a plan. He emancipated the slaves and he had funding available. He had funding set aside to ship all of the enslaved peoples back to their country of origin. And they would have been richer for the experience. They would have gotten to go back home smarter, stronger, more streetwise, and they probably could have gone back to Africa and kicked the asses of those who beat them the first time and enslaved them. They most certainly could have had the upper hand because now they could read and write and they learned all types of new skills taught to them by their slave owners. And the trip home would have been paid for with tax dollars way back when. Imagine that, my friends. Imagine that. We'll be right back. Hola, Pedro. Are you ready for the basketball game at the Coronado High School tonight? Si, Pepe. I have been ready to go there and represent our escuela, Orange Glean, for some time now. I hear they have the free lunch program over there. Me too, Pedro. I hear they have a taco Tuesday every week. 
and on Sabado, the games for the championship, they have a flying tortillas throughout the game. Is it better than the stale popping corn that we have thrown at us at our home game in Orange Aglin? Si, si, Pedro. That popping corn is getting old. I want to play basketball at Coronado for the free flying tortillas. Hey, Pepe, do you worry about the stereotype of the tortillas and being a racist? And no, 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 Pedro. I just want those free tortillas. Mi madre has packaged some taco meat and some chips and some salsa for me to take to the game on my backpack. It's going to be a good meal after the game. And even if we are losing, we still are winning. We're getting the free tortillas. <laughs> When you call a police officer, you expect that police officer to be highly trained, a professional law enforcement officer who receives all of the necessary training, both physical as well as psychological type training, so that the police officer will avoid any issues that might come up pertaining to the victim, you know, the person calling the cop, or the police officer's response to the alleged perpetrator of a crime. Makes sense, right? Remember, during the Derek Chauvin trials, they went back all the way through Derek Chauvin's entire life, all the way down to the schoolyard in elementary school. Was Derek Chauvin a bully? Did he mistreat children of his own peer group? Was he the kind of guy to start a fight or a peacemaker who would step in to try and end a fight? Did Derek Chauvin ever exhibit any violent tendencies or any racist or biased tendencies towards African American people or Asians or Latinos or any other group? Did he exhibit any biases towards specific religious groups? No, that's what they do. They want to try and make damn sure that the guy that's strapping on a gun and a badge is not going out there and abusing his or her authority. Well, my friends, in the United States of America, the mainstream slimeball media uses their double standard to demonize and vilify white, straight, conservative-leaning police officers like Derek Chauvin, but then... They turn around and accuse policing agencies of being anti-black or anti-gay or anti-Muslim or anti-this or that. Anytime some person outside of the media's scope, someone they can play victim card with, goes outside the norms. There's an article this morning written by Joe your Kaba, and that's J-O, so it must be a female. It's an NBC News article that says he was offered a job as a New Orleans police officer. Then came queries about his gender. Okay, remember the headline, he was offered a job as a New Orleans police officer. No one is offered a job. You apply for a job, and then you go through an application process, just like you do with any job. You fill out an, an application, and then they review your application. And then there are other conditions. You have to pass a physical, for example. 
You have to be able to run a certain distance wearing a vest with a certain amount of weight on it because that's what your job entails. You're going to have to be able to do pull-ups or push-ups. You're going to have to pass that physical exam. Otherwise, you're not physically fit for the job. But in addition to the physical aspect, as we learned in the Derek Chauvin trial and many other trials of police officers who are now being accused of having biases or having agenda, this individual also had to undergo mental fitness tests, psychological evaluations, a written test to determine if you're intelligent enough to be able to handle the rigorous paperwork duties surrounding being a police officer. Do you have the mental ability to understand legal ramifications as well as laws, ordinances, and all of the other things necessary to be a cop, including agility, reflex action, temperament, and other things that are measured to make sure you just don't go out there on day one with your badge and gun and start shooting people you don't like. For example, we wouldn't give a guy with a neo-Nazi skinhead background a badge and a gun and send him out into the black neighborhoods. There'd be a bloodbath in the streets. Britton Hamilton said, as a trans man, he wanted to become a police officer to help promote change from the inside. That's the very first sentence in this NBC article. He already had an agenda. He was going to change the police department from the inside. In other words, a shit stirrer from step one. Second paragraph. He applied to the New Orleans Police Department in June of 2020. And after several exams and a panel interview, he received a conditional job offer in December. Conditional upon many things, you know, like the results of your psychological exam, maybe, the results of your physical, the results of a background check that they do on every potential police officer to dig way, way, way back into their past to determine if he, she, it had issues that might cause issues if he, she, it were to be a full-time unconditional officer. There is a probationary period for every cop. Hamilton said, It was like a dream job. I want to be able to help the community and help people view police officers differently than how they are feeling now. The offer was conditional on him passing a routine medical and psychological evaluation, during which he said the psychologist asked him questions about his transition. Well, if you come right out there and say, hey, by the way, my name is Denny Hamilton. What is it? Britton Hamilton? Yeah. My name is Britton Hamilton, and I'm a transgender male. I used to be as a girl, but I had all this facial hair and these small titties and a giant, you know, who down there by my hoo-ha. So I decided I'm going to go ahead on and become a girl, become a dude. I mean, I'm going to be a dude. That's a traumatic, traumatic event in a person's life. 
I'm sure if I applied to be a cop today, they would ask me about my knee surgeries. And they would say, do you ever have nightmares about the accident that caused your knee damage? Did you ever have thoughts about revenge against the person who helped you to become injured? All of that's part of, as they say, a routine medical and routine psychological evaluation. Your job is conditional depending upon those results. And medical experts, psychological experts, review those individual results, group results, and they come to a determination as to whether or not they think you are physically and mentally fit to be a police officer. So that's what they did. On January 28th, Britton Hamilton received an email from the police department rescinding the conditional officer, uh, offer rather, based on psychological assessment of his emotional and behavioral characteristics. I'm going to repeat that. On January 28th, he received an email from the police department rescinding the conditional officer, quote, based on a psychological assessment, unquote, of his emotional and behavioral characteristics. It was super, super disappointing because I prepare myself physically, emotionally for the job. This the foundation for me and my family, he said. In May, Britton Hamilton filed a federal complaint with the Equal Opportunity I'm sorry, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, alleging hiring discrimination. He hired an attorney, Chelsea Cusimano, who said the EEOC has now opened an investigation. The New Orleans Police Department, by the way, is run by a black superintendent named Sean Ferguson in a city run by a Democrat black mayor, LaToilette Cantrell. The statement issued by the New Orleans Police Department regarding Hamilton's resenting of the conditional offer of employment said, quote, The decision not to move forward with the applicant in question did not involve any discrimination against the individual as a member of a protected group. And the department declined additional comment. Julie Callahan's a former law enforcement officer in San Jose, California. She's the founder of the Transgender Community of Police and Sheriffs, a peer support group for transgender law enforcement officers. She said, Hamilton's experience isn't unique. Trans people face disproportionate employment discrimination generally. And she said law enforcement, which she described as a relatively conservative field, is no exception. Her organization is trying to do its part, she says, by providing training and policy templates to departments in the hopes that this educational material can address the biases and misinformation that lead to discrimination. But outside of that, it's incredibly difficult, she says, for trans people to prove that they've faced hiring discrimination for being trannies. Even if they can, they can't afford to take legal action, she said. Complicating matters is the historically fraught relationship that supposedly exists between law enforcement and the LGBTQRSTUV community. This has caused some transgender officers, many of whom are trying to address inequities from within, 
to face pressures from both sides. <laughs> Callahan said of the hiring discrimination trans law enforcement officers face, quote, it's an ongoing issue that we have to address as a society. We're starting to see agencies that are developing transgender interaction policies with the public, but they're not developing policies for their employees. And we find that ridiculous. You should be doing both because you're going to have people from the community working or at least trying to get jobs at your agency. Hamilton alleged that the psychologist who did his evaluation asked him questions like, what were the names of your doctors that performed your surgery? How does your family feel about you being transgender? How does your wife feel about you being transgender? He said, I felt like it was kind of weird because the only pertain to the duties of being a police officer should be the questions that is asked. This does not pertain to the duties of being a police officer at all. The psychologist who was named in Hamilton's complaint has not returned a request for comment. As part of standard police procedure, the department asked Hamilton for information about his employment over the last 10 years. But after the psychological evaluation, Hamilton said the department asked for documentations outside the standard 10-year window related to his honorable discharge from the Army 12 years ago due to medical issues. Yeah, I think that might be kind of important. You were discharged from the Army more than 12 years ago. Maybe your leg got shot off and you forgot to tell us that before you went to your physical. Or maybe you have all kinds of post-traumatic stress disorder issues from being a trans query questioning whatever the hell you were at the time and that might affect your ability to police properly trust me if you went on a shooting spree and you were white not black I'm sure they would be going back further and saying wow we had no idea that 12 years ago he was dishonorably discharged or honorably discharged for a medical issue involving trying to whack off his own tally, get it, tally whacker, because he thought he should be a she. Weird crap like that, especially in the transgender community. If you're transgender, there's something wrong with you to begin with. Cuckoo comes out of the clock at three o'clock, whistles three times and runs back inside. Anyway, that's just my opinion. And have you ever met a transgender person that wasn't just a little wacky in the brain? The department asked for his complete army medical record, which guess what? They would ask me for my complete military record if I applied for a job. Hamilton requested it from the National Personal Record Personnel Record Center for Military Personnel, according to the complaint. The documents were delayed due to COVID-19, so Hamilton provided the department with a tracking number for his request. He says that he was asked about his medical records from his discharge for medical issues 12 years ago, according to the complaint. He provided part of the medical discharge records that were signed by himself, his commanding officer, and a physician stating why he was discharged. The department rescinded the conditional officer the day the dis oh, I'm sorry, let me start that one over. The department rescinded the conditional job offer the day after it was requesting additional documentation related to the discharge. After the department rescinded the offer, Hamilton said he contacted his uncle, who had been a cop for more than 30 years in Chicago. Hamilton said, the first thing my uncle said was, 
That doesn't even sound right. Something definitely is up. I just don't see at the end of the day, under any reasonable standard, Kusumano the attorney said, how you get to ask these questions of protected class members when you're not asking them members of the straight community who are applying for the same positions. That is not equal protection under the law, she said. Kusumano said after hearing the story, the questions about the psychologist allegedly asking him that were different than they would ask for normal, non-transgender people were red flags to her. She noted that Hamilton applied for the job a few days after the Supreme Court ruled that LGBTQ people are now protected class from employment discrimination. Now that the LGBTQ has led to becoming a protected class, what are the protections, she said. Acting reasonably, should an employer have understood, and I say certainly, that the protections extend to the equal hiring process as well as to all processes related to employment? Let me go back a little while. According to research on this Britton Hamilton person, In 2006, Britton Hamilton said he had a promising interview with another police agency outside of Boston. The person he interviewed, according to him, was thrilled and said he'd call him back Monday. Stop. I have a correction to make. Patrick Callahan is Julie Callahan, the attorney's husband. He, too, is a member of the trans queer cops organization he's a criminology consultant for the federal government and political groups in washington dc and he said he had similar experiences to hamilton's now my question is is he a he or is he a she or is she a she or is she a he i'm confused patrick callahan said in 2006 he had a promising interview with an agency outside of boston the person he interviewed was thrilled and called him back Monday, according to Patrick Callahan. The phone call never came, so Tuesday I gave him a call. He wouldn't even take my call. In fact, I was never even able to contact him again. He said he found out through a friend who knew officers that worked for that department that he wasn't hired because he's a trans-queer person. Patrick Callahan says, As soon as they got my background checked back and saw the female names, they changed their minds. His friend told him it was a joke around the department and that it wanted to work there. An it. It is an it. That's what they want to be called. Non-plural or non-pronoun, non-gendered pronouns. It. Officer Catherine Winters is the LGBTQRSTRFWQX9 liaison at the San Francisco Police Department. She, it, he, whatever, suspects that he, she, it was the victim of similar instances of anti-trans employment discrimination, though was never able to confirm it. In 2014, it applied to the Denton Police Department in Texas and took the written exam. It says... I think I scored like in the top five on the written exam. And then a couple of weeks later, I received a letter from the Denton Police Department stating that my military discharge form, the DD-214, was not in my background packet. And for that reason, I was being completely disqualified from further consideration. 
It might be because they assumed you were hiding something. A request for a comment from that Denton, Texas Police Department was not returned. Other high-profile cases allege anti-trans discrimination by law enforcement agencies. In 2012, Mia Macy represented the Transgender Law Center and sued the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Bureau after they offered her a job as a ballistics technician and then rescinded the offer after she said she was trans. Listen, folks, it's this bottom line that I want to read to you because I don't want to go on and on with this article. It goes on and on and on. Given the allegations in the Hamilton case, it sounds like the psychologist to the attorneys used gender dysphoria or attempted suicides in a trans person's past to make them run afoul of hiring practices. The bottom line is the New Orleans Police Department is a minority-run department. There must have been something else in this person's psyche val, or even physical, that made them take a good hard look at it and say, mm, maybe not. For Hamilton, things are moving slowly. Attorney Cusimano said it could take up to a year for the Louisiana Equal Employment Opportunity Commission to complete its investigation. But Hamilton says the experience hasn't affected his goals. He said, I still wants to work in law enforcement. At the beginning, I'm not going to lie, I was super, super disappointed, especially disappointed with NOPD, but this still is a dream of mine. Coming soon to a neighborhood near you, Trans Cop, the movie. Thank you for listening. The opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2021, The Truth Hurts Network.